Hello, and welcome to Marriage Unchained, the art of one flesh, where saving marriages, saving families, and saving souls is the flavor of the day. Now, let's join our host and author of Marriage Unchained, Catholic Alpha Radical, Jerry Jacobs Jr. Hello, I'm Jerry. Welcome to Episode 5. Today's focus is Catholic Beliefs on Marriage, Wife Tells All, and the current scandal in the Catholic Church, Christ Church. So sit back, relax, take a chill pill, and get ready to rock, but don't duck. Can you feel it? Catholic Alpha Radical, coming at you now. Hello, and welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical, where my main mission is to keep you out of divorce court. And where marriage unchained, the art of one flesh, divorce combat coaching is the flavor of the day. While helping men understand marriage and courting, not dating, in the Catholic faith. Why? Because dating is for sex and courting is for marriage. This is episode five. Bam. So let's. Do this. As we always do, we're going to start with our quote of the day. The quote of the day, quote, a man of courage embraces suffering, serves thy beloved, sacrifices self while being the rock for masculinity and the full truth of Christianity, end quote, Catholic Alpha. So here we are with the Catholic Alpha's radical rant of the day. Are you ready? Get prepared. So the cowardice of men, the top 21 reasons men have caused the 2018 scandal in the Catholic Church and why we're not going to take it anymore. And I, we are just going to continue our series and we are now at, uh, episode uh, five. And so this is number five of the uh, 21 reasons. Before I start, this will be a 21 series episode. And I'll usually do one per show um, because, well, it's 21 of them and it's going to take <laughs> a, a while to get through them. Also understand that the infiltration by the Catholic Church with homosexuality and radical feminism, plus the watering down of the faith, the Catholic faith, and the stripping away of the Latin mass was planned in order to destroy the morality of those within the church, priest and laity, and is not the teaching of the Catholic church. Now, why was this done? To destroy the American family and destroy our morality and to destroy the American patriotism in order that we become susceptible to communism and its ideas. 
and I went over this thoroughly and I just do this little thing to, to keep this at the forefront of everybody's mind that what's happening today and what's happened over the last hundred years is it, it was it's planned and it's not something by luck or bad luck. Um, it's basically that God is pulling back his grace and allowing these things to infiltrate the church, our family, uh, the family and our country. And it's about time that we start to wake up. And if you want more in depth, I covered this uh, in episode two. Now, many people also want to bash or worse, leave the Catholic faith because of the current scandal. And I'm just going to say that's pure ignorance. You don't leave the faith. And I'm going to say this between every one of these I do. And I'm going to say this a lot because we can't leave the faith. First of all, where's your loyalty? First of all, either you believe in God or not. And if you believe in God and he's the truth, you can't leave his church. People are going to be people. They're going to do what they're going to do. But that's why instead of complaining and griping, what we should be doing is praying because praying gives us the grace and and allows God's power to come in and shows him that we want this. We want this change. If we don't pray, God's like, well, I guess they don't want it because he's not going to force himself. Um, the evil one wants us to leave the church because he understands he he was the first angel. He knows that he was the most powerful angel and he knows the real deal. So when we leave the church, we get separated from God. And that's exactly what what he's trying to get every, you know, trying to get us to do. Also, you can't change the church inside the church, outside, outside the church. And that's what. um you know, Martin Luther tried to do, and it doesn't work. Um, if you have a problem with the church, first of all, you, you you stay inside the church, you pray, and you get your act together. You get your act together through confession and the sacraments, you know, adoration, praying the rosary and things like that, so that you can battle this, so that you can assist God in battling this. Um, so, Again, you can't change the church without uh, outside the church. And I highly recommend that uh, you find a resource to study that. Um, one of the um, one of the good people to listen to is uh, Census Fidelium on YouTube. Um, there's a bunch of priests in that series of videos that will teach the word and help you understand. All you do is, you know, just basically go in there on YouTube, put in Census Fidelium. And you put in what you're looking for, and it'll pop up. So let's get started with number five of the top 21 reasons that men are responsible for the 2018 scandal in the Catholic Church. But first, let's review the first four. Number one was refusal to accept the role our role as men. Number two was allowed the men in the Catholic Church, popes, cardinals, bishops, priests, deacons to water down, to water down, dilute the teachings of the Catholic faith. Number three was they didn't fight for Christ during Vatican II. And number four, an unwillingness to sacrifice for Christ. So before each number, I will read a quote directly from the document containing Cardinal Carlo Maria Vagano's testimonial um, about the crisis and what's going on, his confession, uh, what he's talking about, Cardinal McCarrick, what Cardinal McCarrick did and how he tried to warn people. 
And one thing I want to say uh, about this is people kill me how they're trying to say, well, he's just doing this to to because he has an agenda or he's not perfect. And he's trying to call other people out, call call him a carrick out. Look, man, that's the devil talking to you. That's demons influencing you. You you that's why I said in a few seconds ago, you get yourself together and you start praying so that you get the wisdom of God. The Holy Spirit comes on to you and then, you know, you then can can try to, to you know, to, to get involved in this battle. And that's what Cardinal Vagano does is doing. It really it doesn't even matter anyway. It doesn't matter. It what matters is, is what he's saying, the truth. And that's our problem today. We always want to talk about emotions and what agenda somebody has and what they're trying to do and what they didn't do. It don't really matter what he did or didn't do. What matters is, is what he's saying the truth. Is he a credible witness? And, you know, is the documents that he laid out the, I mean, he, this is very laid out and meticulous what he, what, this document. And, um, is his story credible? And what he and, and is it true? But the main thing is, is it true? And anytime you hear somebody go, well, he's not this and he's not that. and He didn't do this. It, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Um. So what we're going to do is I'm going to, of course, read a quote from the document directly so that we can understand exactly the the uh, the gravity of this situation and how we can no longer put our heads in the sand, how we can no longer ignore the damage that homosexuality, radical feminism has done to the family, which in harms the church and how, if we don't stop it and, 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 and get people to at least understand that how these things are ruining our children um, and how this is causing evil and more evil along with abortion and contraception, we just keep thinking that we can just keep on doing whatever we want, not be obedient, not be good, holy people, or at least striving for that. And that God's just going to keep saying, well, you just keep on going and doing what you have to do. And that's not, that's not the truth. That's not what's going to happen, man. If you look, things are getting worse. Just open your eyes and, and, and get, and use your intellect to see things are getting worse. Sure, you can escape it for a little while by watching a football game on Sunday or going to your kids' sporting events or something. You can escape it for a little while. But, man, as soon as those things are over, you start to see that it's, it's there. The murder rates, divorce rates, financial issues, all these things are for a reason. you know. And we have to start putting these things together. So, quote, Number five, Cardinal Vigano, quote, I ended my memo by repeating to my superiors that I thought it was necessary to intervene as soon as possible by removing the Cardinal's hat from Cardinal McCarrick and that he should be subjected to the sanctions established by the Code of Canon Law, which also provide for reduction to the lay state. This second memo of mine was also never returned to the personnel office and I was greatly dismayed at my superiors for the inconceivable absence of any measure against the Cardinal and for the continuing lack of any communication with me since my first memo in December 
2006. Now look, the deal is look, this this should prove to it to anybody listening and reading this document that there are men in the Catholic faith who try to stand up, who are trying to fight, but it's so few that they're getting overwhelmed. It's like us with 300 and, you know, 300 million people. And let's just say 150 million of us are men. And we go and fight uh, a country like Haiti or something. We go fight Haiti and Haiti's got however many they got, but let's just say they only got a million men or something. I mean, it's just overwhelming. And that's kind of like the, the what's going on in the church and society. The problem is the good man, the virtuous men, the ones try, that have courage and trying to stand up and be the man God's calling them to be, they have no help. And that's still not a reason to stop fighting. What that is a reason to do is we have to fight harder. You got to spread your word. Spread the word of what's going on. And Cardinal Vigano is trying his best to stand up. And sure, he's not perfect, but we're not, we're called to be perfect and to strive for perfection. And that's one of the reasons he doesn't want to let God down anymore. And that's why he's doing this. And if you're a real man, you have to understand that. You have to understand that, man. We can no longer let this evil keep going. The evil of, you know, of infidelity, of breaking the Ten Commandments, not not having, you know, not encouraging people to follow God, you know, stealing and thieving, you know, teaching the incorrect morals to our family and to our children and stuff, allowing these schools to to preach immorality in the schools and stuff. We, we got to stop this. We got to stop sitting back with our arms crossed. It's time for us to stand up, man, please. Listen to what's going on. We can't listen. Women can only change the world so much. But without men, it's it's it's, it's nothing's going to get better. It's only going to get worse. Women are our helpmates and they need us to start helping. They need us to help. So that's the quote. And so realize that there are um, that these that I'm going to do are these rants are not in any specific order. So the 21 are not in any specific order because basically they all feed off of each other. And so now, here is number five of Cowardice of Men, the top 21 reasons that men are responsible for the 2018 scandal in the Catholic Church. Number five, they have nothing they are willing to die for. They have nothing in which they are willing to die for. This is similar and feeds off of number four, an unwillingness to sacrifice for Christ. The main issue is, look, men aren't raised with this principle in their life, which technically is the virtue of fortitude, which is the willingness to give their life if necessary, rather than renounce God. This is the virtue of the martyrs, which is complete courage in the face of danger. And we're, we're, we haven't been raised with that. You know, we don't even understand the small things about being a man, really. And fortitude, fortitude is one of those things of people that die for the sake of God are said to go directly to heaven. Why? Because in the end, when it really counted, they did not renounce Christ. They, they they hung in there 
and they said, look, this world is only a test. And right now, a martyr at the time of his death realized that it's time to pass the test. And this is what I speak about every day uh, on our on our show is on this show is that fortitude is you, you have to be willing to give your life for something, not for something of evil, something of good, which is the ultimate good, which is the ultimate perfection. That's Christ and the Trinity. And if we aren't willing to do that, we will fall for anything. We will. We will be controlled. Money will control us. The seeking of power will control us. Those above us will control us that are in higher positions. And that's why Cardinal Vergano was saying, look, I'm not I'm not doing that anymore. I have a I have a duty as a Christian man to go against my leaders if they are are or denouncing God and not doing his will and doing what's asked of him. And fortitude is one of those things that you don't, is one of those things you pray for because when it really counts as even sitting right here right now, I think, oh yeah, if somebody, if a Muslim put me on the camera on the internet and put a, a sword to my head and said, look, either renounce Christ right now. You think you're a Christian? We're going to see if you're a Christian. Renounce God right now. I'm going to chop your head off. Now, sitting right here right now in front of a microphone, in front of this computer, reading this little quote and paper and doing the show, I'm thinking, well, I would do it. But I don't really know 1000% for sure. That's why you pray for the grace of God to give you the strength to be able to stand fast. Because if you renounce and punk out and say, no, I'll be a Muslim. First of all, they're probably going to kill you anyway. Second of all, you have just given your soul away. You have just renounced Christ, your creator. So that's why I pray daily for fortitude. Because when it comes down to it, daily in my life, you know, I argue, I, I, I debate and uh, argue and, um, and I fight for Christ every day internally as well as externally with other people um, not understanding the faith and trying to downgrade Christ and stuff because they really don't understand. And so it's my job as a Christian man to help them understand. And when they don't, I leave them alone. You put the word out there, you plant seeds and you move on. As I know one day, you know, one day I feel coming soon that we will, that I, and not just me, but many of us Christians and what will be called to uh to choose a side in the public, either like I just said, either renounce God or die. And it's coming. And I'm not I'm not one of these, you know, radical people that's like, oh man, the end of the world. Oh, no, that's not what I mean. See, things like this happen, start small and grow big. You know. When the government, the first thing that's going to probably happen is, you know, people are going to start renouncing the church. They're going to start leaving Christ. Then the government is going to clamp down and say, you can no longer worship God in this country, except inside your house. Then they'll say, you can't worship God even inside your house. And so it happens slowly, just like it happened to the Jews. They didn't come to the Jews and say, and just start collecting them all up, shoot them in the middle of the streets taking them to camps, all that stuff. Why? Because the Jews ain't stupid. 
they'd have rebelled against that. They'd have rebelled against that really fast. It'd have been a lot harder for the Germans to corral them. So that's what that's what that's what the government and people in power do. They slowly over the years condition you to do things against God, against your beliefs, against yourself as a man, to break your loyalty, to break your conviction, to break your ethics. And when you do that, you're just a patsy. Okay? So and and one of the examples is radical Muslims have no problems with uh coming in public and telling you they don't care what you think. God is number one in my life. And uh, this is how we do things. If you don't like it, you can basically kiss their butt. That's just how they are. And this is why Christianity is losing losing out, especially the Catholic Church. Um, you have the Muslims of the Middle East and you have the black nation of Islam here in America. Listen, those dudes, you can say whatever you want to about the Muslims, but they exude their masculinity or what they believe to be masculine. Now it might be, it might be kind of warped a little bit, but that's not the point. The point is that they say the things that young boys want to hear. They don't talk about mercy, mercy, mercy. They don't talk about, you know, you got to show, you know, somebody does something to you. You just let it go. You don't say nothing. Uh, you know, God is number one. And if you don't do what God says, then I'm going to make you do what God says. Now, I'm not saying that's good or that's not a good thing. What I'm saying is they give their, the Muslims men give other men and young boys things to fight for, a cause to fight for. And that's why in Christianity, we are losing our boys because we don't give them anything to fight for. We don't give because inside of men is the will is the calling for God and the and the calling and the the nudging to do something to to be something better, to be the man that God created us to be and to have a cause to fight for. And in the Christianity, Christ and suffering and 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 giving your life away is that cause. Why? Because then you become holy. You take your family to things and heights that you can't achieve without God. You make your marriage great, your 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 children great. You 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 do these things, but you have to realize that there is a masculinity in Christ that causes us to want to have to fight a battle. And the battle is ultimately against who? Against Satan, against evil. But you you can't, just can't fight the battle on the outside physically against a, a common foe. You also have to learn how to fight that battle interiorly. And we do not teach our boys this. Teach them that they are Christian soldiers, that they are true men, that they are they have to be men of courage. And what that entails and what we have to do with that. We don't teach them that. So what do the Muslims do? They come along and go, look, man, Christians are punks. They weak. They sit there and take anything. They're nothing. And so they show them how to physically do things. Do and, and, and we don't. And as Catholics, we don't do that anymore. You know, it's like in the Crusades. Those boys stood up against Muslim infiltration and Muslim um uh uh radicalism 
you know, if they stood up against that during the Crusades, the priests and, and lady and men, because they were getting attacked, they were still in our land. They were trying to control like they are now. And those brothers back then weren't going to stand by and let you just run over them. And sometimes God, that's why they're religious wars, because God is comes to a time, even back in David, even back to King David and all that. And, and all those times, the men in those days understood you have to stand. There comes a time you have to stand up and fight. You can't sit back and wait for hundreds of years and become slaves and let people do those and let uh, other religions just overrun you or atheist governments overrun you. Then it becomes too late. You can't fight back. And so that is why where you can say whatever you want to about the Muslims. And the nation of Islam, Muslims, the black Muslims, dude, they're not going to sit back and let you overrun them. They're not going to do that. Matter of fact, they're on the offensive. And sometimes, and I know that's in the Christian, in the Catholic way, that's not really the Catholic and Christian way, because we want people to come to God on their own. But that doesn't mean that you don't evangelize them and teach them and bring them up as from babies up to men in the faith. Because if you don't, they will lose it. Okay. Matter of fact, I was almost succumbed to being a, a black Muslim when I came back from the military. My father was kind of into it. He had a really good friend that was a black Muslim. And I was really drawn to that. I even read the book, Theology of Time, by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. I read that book. And I'm telling you, man, it almost had me, but I don't know something. I'm not a joiner. And so it's hard for me to give myself to something when I'm not sure about it because I'm not a, I'm more of a loner type. And so that's really, really in the end, that's really what stopped me from really joining the black Muslims, the nation of Islam is because I wasn't sure. And I think the Holy spirit was protecting me too. Um, I had a family and stuff and, and, you know, although I admire and and understand the cause of the of Islam, because is the black nation is more than just about the religion. It's about protecting the black man as and and, and us getting our dignity and things like that. Um, and so, as a black man, when you've you know for generations your ancestors have been oppressed and stuff, you it's really easy for you to get into something like that because you see what the freedom and what the freedom that that can cause and the liberation it can cause um, in any, any country or nationality that's ever been oppressed can understand that no matter really how in it you are, there's, you can, you understand that calling. So like I said, they are stealing our boys away. That's why the Muslims are stealing our boys away because the Christian men, we sit in the pews and we don't go out and we don't fight. We don't realize this is a spiritual battle. This is a battle. And like I always say, it's two realms, the natural, which is the physical realm, the earth and what we live every day. But there's also the supernatural and the Muslims understand that. And we don't. We let the atheists and we let the people that are completely selfish, that don't believe in anything but themselves. We let them put these crazy ideas in our head that we don't, you know, that that we shouldn't be understanding that there's a creator. So basically we can fall. Like I said, we fall for anything. Um, because another thing that the reason that the Muslims are stealing our boys is because 
The Christian faith is seen as weak and soft with no real place for men. And this is what you get when you don't preach at home and in the pulpit, the truth of Christianity and Christ church, the Catholic faith. That's why it was what you get. We don't preach about hell and we don't preach about heaven. We'll, I'm telling you, man, even a lot of our parishes, they don't not even, even speak about hell. They don't even speak about heaven either. So it's like, not only do you not get the good, the ultimate good, you don't get the bad. They just stay in the middle. And when you stay in the middle, that's saying what? That you don't, you don't, there's no side. I'm on the fence. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, and you, we cannot continue to do that. Christ is the side. He is a warrior. He's the original Catholic alpha dude. He is the reason for the season. And if we do, if we don't start understanding the battle, then what will happen is the Muslims will continue to infiltrate the country, which will then infiltrate your family, and you'll be in Sharia law. The Muslims aren't stupid. Man. They've been doing this for thousands and thousands of years. They've been fighting the battle. They might be technolo- They might not be technologically ad- uh, more advanced in this country, but you don't have to be. People are people. And if you don't understand that intellectually people are smart and intellectually people are dumb. That's just the way it is. People have not and will not ever change. Take all the technology in the world is not going to make you more smart or more advanced spiritually or as a human person just because that you have a cell phone in your hand that can talk to satellites. Come on, man. It doesn't. You have to understand the human condition. And Muslims are stealing American boys. I don't care what nationality you are. They're taking them because they are they are talking about something that they're speaking the right language that men inherently want to hear. The Catholic Church, like I said, there's no in the Catholic Church right now. There's really no place for men, and it's not that's but that's not how God designed the church. That's not how the doctors and the fathers of the church designed the church. Men. Men, women are the heart of the church. They get, they make sure the kids do their thing and the kids are raised right. Men are the organizers of the faith to make sure that we keep on the right track. They organize it and going. Men don't really are not supposed to deal in emotion when it comes to the faith. Women deal in emotion. And that's a perfection just as much as being the man is a perfection. That's another craziness that we are into right now. Being femininity is an is a perfection in the eyes of God. So when you say that a woman is that femininity is not as good as being a man, you are calling God a liar. You are saying God is basically, and if God is lying, He's not God. That's the bottom line on all of that. And the reason God made man and the reason God made woman is they are a perfect match. Each each one each woman has something different than what the man has. But when you pull them together and make one flesh, you have a perfect being. But no, radical feminism is making women run from their true calling of true woman. And look at the world. Look at the country. Look at the family. Man, you got to start understanding, man, this ain't no joke, man, that it's planned. 
It's planned that your wife rebels against you. It's planned that you that that you raise your son to be weak, soft, and 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 order towards so, uh, homosexuality. It's a reason why that people tell you to get divorced and go see the divorce lawyer or or go to the a, a tribunal a, a normal tribunal when you don't when you really don't have a good reason to. Because man, they know if they can destroy the family, they can destroy you. And when they destroy you, the man, you it the family becomes easy. Once the devil gets past you, the spiritual head of the family, the man, once he gets past you, your wife and kids are putty. <laughs> mm. Okay. Um, the Catholic Church is really ran by women, radical feminists and homosexuals, which fight and demean masculinity in any form. If you really look at it, if you look at the Catholic faith and, and a lot of most a lot of most Protestant churches too, I've been in them too. You see that the women run everything really. They really do. And the men don't really do anything. They sit fat and happy as everything go on. But here's what happens. When you let the women run everything, the boys don't want to do nothing. The boys don't rise up and be great leaders and great men. The girls pick the wrong man to marry. The girls pick they allow men to take advantage of them and take their gift and have babies and knock them around and beat them up and not respect them and use them as utensils and not human people. When you don't, when men don't rise to the occasion and do and be the leaders of the, of, of their home, of their, of their, of their church, of their religion of, and do as Christ, the way the natural order, the way God set it up, which is God, husband, wife, children, what happens is the kids get destroyed. And if you want the people that think your little six-month-year-old baby, your little three-year-old toddler, four-year-old toddler is not going to is going to grow up perfect and and not uh, get into bad, into drugs and join gangs and get in prison, go to jail, be a drunk driver, abuse drugs, have sex outside of marriage, have kids, steal, fight people, uh, 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 cause problems in school. And be a bum on the street. You got another thing coming, dude. Kids do not grow up by luck. They need great a great father and a great mother in their proper roles, married in the same home, going to church and teaching them the morality of God. And if you don't do that and you don't enter the prayer and spiritual battle daily for your wife, marriage and children, dude, your kids are going to grow up crappy. You know why? Because it happened to me. And not just me, I've seen it happen to millions of men. It happens. And if you don't take control of that when your children are little, they are not, everybody has this, everybody, women included, everybody has this nauseating feeling that their children are just going to grow up perfect, that nothing's gonna bad is going to happen to them, and they're never, and they're never going to do anything bad. And that is the devil infiltrating you your soul and you as a man and your wife's and your wife that's what's going on next the muslim nations are built on masculinity and i've said this even though they have no real meaning of what true masculine of manliness really is that's not the point they're saying things the boys want to hear and i've talked about that um they are also stealing our girls away why because women follow the men plain and simple my brother-in-law was the first one to really teach me that. And, you know, I, you know, just like a man, it, I, I 
fought against it hard, but he's right. He has proof and everything. I'm gonna have him on my on this podcast so that he can you know teach you guys about that. That the women follow the men. The ones that act like real men, the women follow them. That's why the bad boys get all the play. That's why this thing about nerds are so cool and stuff now, that's bullcrap, man. They still weak and soft. Yeah, they might be technologically good and they know some math and some science and stuff and they could do that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you what, man, women want real men. I don't care if you're a doctor, a lawyer, if you're a scientist, if you, uh, you're computer science and you're good at technology and stuff. That's no excuse for you to be a weak, soft punk. It's not. You got to know when to stand up. You got to stand for, and give your life away and be a man of courage and stand up to evil just like the rest of us. And that's the reason why bad boys get the girls. And they get the, the pretty girls. They get the, 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 they get the beautiful girls, the pretty girls, the cute girls, the ugly girls too. They get the, 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 the fat girls, the skinny girls, the, the medium sized girls and the fine girls. They, they get, they get the small girl. They get them all. You know why? They're drawn to them because they're drawn to masculinity. Now, whether that bad boy is, the kind of masculine man that God would have him be and portraying it correctly, just like I said, the Muslims, it doesn't really matter. That's not the point. The point is young girls and women too, I don't care how old they are, they are drawn to a man that takes control and and and, and at least initially treats them right and treats them like a queen and treats them like a real woman and opens the door for them. Or sometimes bad boys, you know what they'll do? They'll treat them cool at first, and then sometime at first, they'll treat them all crappy. What you want? What do you go over here for? Don't really talk to them. Don't call them back. Ignore them and stuff. That just makes the woman want them more. It's a tactic. And so when we don't stand up and show even the bad boys, when you as a man don't show up like like Christ did and show men how to be real men, what happens is, the real masculinity and your daughters, they don't know what to see. They don't know what to look for in a real man and in a husband. And when the, there, are no, there are no fathers in the house, the daughters don't know what model to use to find a boyfriend or a person to court or a fiance or a, inevitably a husband because the mother either drove the man away or the man just left the home and abandoned them. Or the woman has sex outside of marriage and then there's no man around anyway. You need masculinity because for our daughters because our daughters didn't understand what real men are and that's the kind of man I want to marry because he's like my daddy. And if there's no daddy around, even if he's not the best one, that's why when the government comes in, this child protective service bull crap, they come in and take and, and make and, and start pulling kids out of the home and stuff because the daddy's not perfect or the mom and daddy getting a fight and all this kind of stuff. Sure, you take them out at the beginning, but you don't keep a kid and a family apart for two, three, four, five years and stuff. Basically, then the government becomes a daddy. That's why you have welfare because the government stepped in and told women, which is radical, this radical feminism again, have told women, look, hey, I'll give you some money every month. You know, I I I, I give you some uh, health care every month. You know, uh uh I give you some food stamps every month. All you gotta do is not let no man come around. 
Do you see the craziness in that? And so what do women do? That's what they do. I don't need a man. Yes, you do. You need that man to help raise that boy you can't control once he gets 12, 13 years old. Okay, moving on. Um, so no woman wants a wuss for a boyfriend or a husband. And that's the bottom line. That's why the women follow where the where the men go. Okay. Even though at first they believe they do, even though at first a woman might think she wants a wuss for a boyfriend until he grosses her out by throwing her, by showing her how weak, pitiful, emotional, soft, and selfish he truly is. But then, but then, then she begins to think, how could she have ever slept with him, had a baby with him, or moved in with him? Of course, by then, she is probably pregnant or sharing the bills with him and thinks it's too late to make a change because she's given so much. And that's the thing that radical feminism and the big perpetration of women that they have put up on women. You think you can have it all, but you really can't. You've given away your soul. You've given away your body. You've given away basically the lives of your children because you think you can have all the sex you want. You think you can do have all the career you want. You can kick, have sex with any man you want. Then you don't want him no more. Kick him away, which really you think you're using the man, but he's really using you. He's using you because he didn't had you. He has put his, his, he has put, he has had sex with you. He's had you. You passe. He don't want you no more. See, so who's really getting used? You are, not him. Because he can move on and find somebody else. That's why you don't give yourself to us until we marry you. Why? Because once we had you, boom. If a man really loves you, he'll marry you. And all the men out here I'm talking about, they know what I'm talking about is the truth. If a man really loves you, he'll marry you. Of course. Um, so why do you think that's what, um, because real women, they really want masculine men, like I said. And the Catholic church is hurting in the pews and in the pockets financially right now. Um, and the bishops are scrambling around because they know time is running out because people in the church are getting a lot older and dying off. Not many young people are coming into the church to replace them. Why? Abortion, contraception, not to, not teaching the true doctrine of, of Christ and his church. Listen, all you people talking about schools, uh, there's not enough people in the schools, the church, not enough kids in the church, in the pews. Well, we killed them all. You killed all the kids. That's why you don't have no money. That's why the country is um, hurting financially. We didn't kid over 50, 50, 60 million babies. What do you think is going to happen? There's nobody to contribute to the society. There's no such thing as population control. I'm not really going to that, but it's, that's just the devil's way to get you to murder your unborn child or murder your child through contraception, like putting on rubbers, taking birth control pills, putting on patches, whereas you kill the souls that God s sends to you before they even have a chance to be born. Contraception is an abortion too, if you didn't know that. So it's important, you know, we killed all the babies and that's why there's no one in schools. Used to be in Catholic schools, there were hundreds and thousands of kids in these schools. Now you might have 100, 200, maybe three. This is high school I'm talking about. It's ridiculous. Okay, we have to stop killing the children so that we 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 can outgrow the Muslims. 
Catholic, you can dog out Catholics all you want, Protestants and atheists and, and non-believers. But if it ain't wasn't for the Catholics, there wouldn't be no babies. We're at least trying to come back and bring babies into the world. Why? Because we understand God is asking us to be fruitful and multiply. That's called obedience. Why? Because the Muslims are going to overtake us. That's a whole nother thing on itself. I'm moving on. Um, no one. So there's not that many. There's no young people coming into the church to replace the ones that are dying. Um, again, parents today and in the last six decades are raising wusses for boys, which means what? Selfishness and unwillingness to give their life to nothing but pleasure and fun. No real women, no real woman who is virtuous and seeking security, protection and a family wants these types of men. Women aren't stupid, but in the end, they go with what society produces, which in the end is nothing but blah. <laughs> so what do you think? Send your questions or comments to radicalquestions at catholicalpha.com. Bam. So please remember, I implore you again, please, please, please share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship. Rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast if listening on CatholicAlpha.com to get new episodes in your email. Now, our next segment is Marriage in the News, the so-called same-sex marriage tragedy. I listened to a video on YouTube the other day that portrays the tragedy of so-called same-sex marriage. It has 386,511 views and has only been out a few weeks. It's about children who were raised by same-sex couples and their tragedies. Two of the testimonials were so powerful, and I felt so sorry and empathetic for them. And these tragedies express exactly why men in the church and this country have failed our children by refusing to man up and take their place as the spiritual heads of their families and society. And it was sad. I'm just going to say it. It was straight out, man. It was disgusting. It was disgusting how these children were raised. And put through this hell. Um, and it's allowed by our government because no one is standing up and fighting. If you don't want to, f- nobody is telling homosexuals that you can't do what you want to do. Really. If you want to do this in your home, that's your soul. And it's up to the, your mother and your father, your brothers and your friends to try to convince you to be the man God's calling you to be. It's up to them. Really. It's not up to me. Okay. But when you bring that outside, it's like being a drunk driver. If you want to get drunk in your home, that's cool. But when you come outside, you get drunk, you start running people over in your car. Then as a man, I got to step up and say, this is not proper. And the problem with the homosexual men, it's it's um, not the man himself, 
but his acts are completely evil because he doesn't portray himself as a real man. God has was made a man and he made a woman. Each one is has a certain way that they're supposed to be. Now, you may not like that, but it's a reason God made us this way so that we can reach perfection. And so when a homosexual comes out into the, into the society and is influencing our little boys, trying to manipulate them, trying to turn them out, which is what we say in the hood. They try to turn out, turn our little boys out, get them by themselves, like the priests, like some of these priests are doing and stuff, like some of these teachers in these schools are doing, like some of these priests and these uh, ministers in these Protestant churches are doing, like a lot of these uncles and and uh, fathers and stuff doing families. They get them by themselves. They talk to them, manipulate them, and try to get the little boy to do their bidding. And the boys looks up to them as a as a figure. That's why God has us act like men. There's a way we're supposed to look, a way we're supposed to act so that we portray what he, our creator, is asking of us as a man. And when we don't do that, we get what we have. Children raised by two men or two women that aren't perfect, that are disordered, and they don't understand that a child needs a man to be a man and a woman to be a woman so that when those two come together, they perform a, perf a perfect being, a perfect human. That's why the church says, that's why the Catholic faith and even the Christian faith in general, Protestants are not against homosexual, homosexual men as a human person. We're, we are not um, against you as a human person, but what we are against is the, your acts, just like a serial killer. We are not against a serial killer as a human person, but when he goes out and kills and murders people, then we are against your act. It's our job as men and women to stand up and fight you and battle you. It's not personal. It's what the Holy Spirit, the natural law inside of us has us do. Now, some people go about it the wrong way, like kill homosexuals or beat them up or kill drunks or beat them up or kill rapists and beat them up. But dude, that is the wrong way to handle it. What people do need is understanding and compassion and mercy, but that mercy has to be coupled with God's justice so that because it's not fair for us to allow you a serial killer to come inside the church and start murdering everybody. Just like we can't allow a homosexual to come inside the church who's still practicing and trying to influence everybody to be like him. Why? Because misery loves company. You know, and so we he wants everybody to be like him and try to influence young boys and not be a stand-up man. And what happens is you have what you have. The 2018 scandal of, of the church, of the Catholic Church, which was also done in 2002. Please. I'm not being cruel. I'm just telling you the truth, man. The 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 what I'm saying, the proof in the pudding is out there in the society. We just try to hide it. And the men, we just sit back and allow it. And the women, you know, there are some men and women who are fighting this. But then they can't do it by themselves. Okay? So I'm gonna put the link to this video in the show notes, and I'm gonna play two of um two of the testimonials of the of the uh the they're grown now they're grown children the name of the video is called former homosexuals and children of lgbt 
of LGBT and all these darn letters and stuff. Anyway, the okay, I was I'm gonna do the actual name of the video. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna trip. The name of the video is called "Former Homosexuals and Children of LGBT Speak the Truth" by the Texas Mass Resistance. So um, that's it. I'll see you on the other side. This session is going to be, again, what people just don't know in terms of the country and the world. You're going to hear personal testimony of what it's like uh, to have, have gone through some of these issues, uh, children uh, for, of, of parents who are LGBT in the testimonies you're going you're gonna to hear this morning. I want to thank David for what he said about the therapy. He nailed it. That's exactly what, what the process was for me. My name is George Carnell. My dad is a pastor. I spent 25 years in that life, I, most of it in the Los Angeles club scene, and I've been out of that life for 10 years now. It is a journey. I can't thank God enough for allowing me to wallow in the misery of that life because it was through that misery that I realized this is not working and I've got to find something else. I didn't understand that it was God or that Jesus paid it all for me because I never saw him as an option. I, it's easy to get into that life. It feels good at the moment, but within three years of when I first stepped into a gay bar, I had a sex addiction. I was on drugs and alcohol. I was a male prostitute. I suffered with severe depression and I attempted suicide. It would still be another 22 years before I could get out of that life. I am determined to let gays and lesbians know that who are in that life, there is hope and that you can get out of it. It's misery. It will lead to a dead end. Nothing is worth an eternity apart from Christ or not even having a relationship with God. And I praise God and most of all my Savior, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, for dying on the cross for me and giving me a second chance. One night I walked into a bar in Fort Lauderdale, the Copa. A lot of gays will know that bar. God turned everything down when I was around my friends as I was walking in. And he said to me, if you were to die tonight, would you, die, would you go to hell? Stopped me in my tracks. But I didn't want anything to do with him. And I went on into the bar. I praise God that he did not take my life that night because I really don't know where I would have spent eternity. There is hope in getting out of that life and I wrote from queer to Christ for the reason that I wanted Christians to understand what it's like for someone as a child to grow up in church and to have a same-sex attraction and to struggle with this. And then you go and why it was so easy for me to get into that life because I so desperately wanted to love and to be loved. And that's why it's hard to get out of it, because when they're telling you, you can't, God does not approve of this, but at the same time, I want love. That was just as powerful for me as it was in having a relationship with God. And I was so torn and it would cause me so much depression. And I struggle with, with suicidal thoughts all the time after that. But I will tell you, and I have a real issue with the liberal Christian teachers, pastors and leaders who are pushing this. Because the LGBT community is put, taking these talking points and they're then shutting down and telling us, no, you can't tell me because they've said this. They're lying. I sat under that for two years and I was so miserable and depressed and beating on the steering wheel of my car and crying and asking God to tell me. Because I told God, if you tell me that it's right under all circumstances, help me to know it so I can have peace with it. 
I wanted my peace of mind. And if it's wrong, you tell me because I'm still going to be committed to you. I want out of this life if this is not what you want. And after two years, God finally helped me to see the lies of the Christian liberal theology. It's, it's lies. You will never, you cannot remain in sin and have a relationship with Christ. He's not, it's going to put a barrier there. And I'm determined to expose it. And lastly, I want to say about this whole transgender push in schools. It's bad enough that we as kids have enough that we're dealing with, just with our hormones and trying to fit in. As a teenager, I went through the same struggle of wishing I was a girl, dressing up like a girl, desiring to be a girl, because then God wouldn't be mad at me if I wanted to be with a guy. Had I been allowed to, in today's culture, not have parents or, or therapists help me, I probably would have gone through that whole transgender, the surgery and everything, and would have regretted it. Because once I moved through that, I now have accepted what God created me to be, a man. And I want, I'm telling you, I'm really disgusted with the Christians who are apathetic, who don't stand up and who aren't trying to fight against this agenda. It is going to destroy the children, and we have to think of them. It's, I don't want them to grow up with any regrets. And I don't mean to sound preachy, but I'm very passionate about this. The book is there, and if you've got gay friends or lesbians and transgendered individuals in your life and you're afraid to witness to them, you do it anyway. Give them this book. I slipped the plan of salvation and, and the gospel in there. They'll have the information. I didn't have time to witness to all my gay friends, but I had time to get them this book. And I praise God for where I am today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, George. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for having me here today. My name is Moira Grayland. I'm a harpist and a singer, but I sure didn't start out that way. My mother and my father are famous gay authors. My mother is writer Marion Zimmer Bradley, the author of The Mists of Avalon and a great many other books. And my father is Walter Breen, a numismatic author who wrote many, many books about coins. Now, I, growing up, was expected to be the perfect patsy. I was expected to be absolutely in favor of all things gay, because since I was raised by gay people, I know that those bad straights are just out to hurt us. Now, here's the problem. My father knew exactly how it is that you create a homosexual. My father believed that homosexuality is innate to all people, but that the only way to get a child to embrace his natural homosexuality is to make sure he has same-sex experience before he is old enough to be ruined by a girl. So no, we are not born gay. We are created that way by adults. Thank you very much, adults. As you might imagine, both of my parents used me. It's hard to talk about, but I will. My father and mother both very much wanted me to be gay. My father went to jail because I put him there, not for what he did to me when I was five, but for what he had been doing to other young boys since long before I was born. I tried when I was 13 to have him put in jail because he was sleeping with yet another boy prostitute under our roof. I knew because I talked to the kids. I talked to them all the time. They were my friends. They were my age. 
My mother and her female lover, who was with her for 20 years, did nothing. They didn't put my father in jail. They didn't make him stop. But they did have him move into their apartment, and the two of them moved home. While he was in his apartment, he had all kinds of privacy. And you can imagine what he did with that privacy. Ten years later, my father molested a child in front of me. And finally, I went to the cops. Because it was in front of me, and it couldn't be hand-waved away. And he had those books out. He had Show Me, which is a picture. It is a book, a coffee table book, of graphic sexual imagery geared at persuading children that sex is natural as though we should all overcome our natural revulsion. Now, as you might imagine, my family was not happy with me for turning my father in. I was ostracized. To this day, they defend him. Do they defend me? No, they defend him. To give an idea of how hard it is to talk about these things, my mother has been dead since 1999. My father has been dead since 1993. He died in prison. He confessed. He tried to persuade the judge of the rightness of his perspective. He wrote a book about this that my mother edited, glorifying sex between, between older people and younger people. My mother wrote a companion article defending lesbian pederasty. None of this should be a secret, and yet people didn't want to believe it. The only thing that they will believe is court testimony, and what is so little known is that the philosophy in the gay movement is very different than the philosophy in the rest of the world. The fundamental difference is this. Gay people believe that sex is good, all sex, all the time, between all people, and more sex will make everybody happy. Is that true? No! no! No, it is not true. Again, my name is Moira Grayland. I'm very easy to find online. Did I grow up churched? Not on a tintype. I was raised to believe that all you Christians are bad and trying to make everybody limited and we're evil and we hate gay people and so forth and so on. No. I wrote my story. I put it online. It can be found. It's called The Story of Moira Grayland, and it tells my story about my parents. I was nominated for a Hugo. I didn't win, and it's just as well I didn't go to their place because at the Worldcon, I was called a bigot. Of course I'm a bigot. Being the child of gays and seeing this for myself day after day, what could I possibly be but a bigot? All of my friends are gay prostitutes. All of my friends are being given drugs by my father. Of course I'm a bigot. What else could I possibly be? Could I be a child who is living in hell? A child who tried to commit suicide the first time when I was 10 and spent my teens sleeping on couches so that I wouldn't have to be yet another victim of my parents' friends or them. In any case, my father went to jail, continuing to believe as he believed. I left California and wrote my book, which is called The Last Closet. The Last Closet will be out before Christmas. Thank you so much for listening to me. God bless you all. Well, what'd you think about that? 
What did you think about that? Today, we say we love children. We say we put them first and want to protect them. But is this really the truth? Of course not. Why? Because God is now absent everywhere in this country. And without God, there's no real reason to be good, virtuous, or holy, or a saint. Because with, because without God, none of this time we have on earth really means anything. People kill me saying, well, you know, I want to be a good person. But you, you can't be a good person without God. You have to strive for that. Um, there's no Without God, there's no real reason to be good. Because if you don't have God, you're saying, if you don't have God in Christ in your life, in the country, on the courthouse steps or whatever, in your family, in your marriage, you're basically saying at the end of your hundred years on earth, you die and that's it. So is there a real reason to be good? Why not just, that's why people really do whatever they want now. That's their excuse to do whatever they want. When God's not around, people feel they have an excuse to do whatever they want. Because without God, there's no real reason to be good. Because after a hundred years, when with with Christ around and the Trinity, when you die, you are you are held you are held responsible for your deeds over those hundred years. When you die, it's called the particular judgment. God holds you up, Christ holds you up, and they say they review your life and they let you know if you're going to heaven or hell or purgatory right then. There's no waiting. It's none of that. But see, over this last decades and decades, what people have done in the Catholic Church, too, is that we they have watered down the faith and said, you know, there's nothing that happens when you die. You just die, which doesn't make any logical sense, because why go through all this pain and suffering on this earth? I don't care if you are a rich billionaire person. You still go through trials, tribulations, sufferings. You still do. So why? At, for this hundred years, why do we go through all this pain and suffering? And then at the end of it, we just die. People, why is a poor person, let's say in Africa, who's, you know, in one of some of the poorest countries or the third world countries in the, on this earth, is it fair to them that they grow, they born into complete poverty? Is it luck? No, it's not luck. Those souls, that is what God is given. They, they need that. Obviously, those souls need that in order to grow to holiness towards God. That's why God and Christ love poor people, the poor, and ask us to help them because those souls need us. And us, what I mean the, that are blessed with money and, and cars and means to and food, it's our job and responsibility as uh, Christians to help those, help them. Because, again, this life is a test. It's a test. No matter what level of life you're at, if you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter. Your job is to help others and to get through this and to understand that the reason that you are good and to be a saint and to become holy is because to get closer to God so that when you die, he looks at you and says, my son, you did it. You are obedient, and I reward you with eternity. Okay? So, please consider what you've heard. And again, please pray for fortitude in order that you will begin to speak out and sacrifice yourself for God and his word. This does take prayer, 
and courage. Bam. So again, please share this prod- this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship, especially over these last few, which talks a lot about true masculine, true masculinity. Rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast if listening on CatholicAlpha.com to get new episodes in your email. Welcome back. So now we're going to do our special interview with my beloved wife, Mary Kathleen. Although I call her Mary because Mary Kathleen is a little too long for me. So my special guest and periodic co-host, and she will be on on the show periodically and she will uh, more than periodically. And she'll especially be on the new podcast, Catholic Alpha Radical for her which would be more about the women and uh, us talking to the women and getting the women to get their thing together. Um, so I want to introduce to you my awesome, loving, devoted, best friend and confidant wife, Mary Kathleen Jacobs. She is the mother of our five children, Lauren, Max, Marcus, Jericho, and Solomon. She's a lover of Christ church, the Catholic church. She is the co-facilitator of Our Lady of the Most Holy Rosary Parish in Indianapolis Adult Faith Formation Ministry, co-organizer of Holy Rosary's Yearly Parish Mission, co-organizer of Holy Rosary's Men and Women's Conferences, and organizer of the Parish's Welcome Committee. Hello, babe, and thanks for helping me out today. Hey, honey. <laughs> I do want to say um, also in our family that... Uh, we do have two grandchildren, uh, Victoria and Taylor. Okay. If you want to really get all deep about it. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is so that you to know a little bit about uh, uh, my beloved wife. We're going to do an interview. I'm going to interview her and we're going to talk about a lot of things in the church. And of course, the scandal that's going on in the Catholic Church today, the 2018 uh, Catholic Church, Christ Church scandal. And uh, so we're going to go ahead. So the first question is, tell us your story and how you came to be in the Catholic faith and lover of Christ and his church, Mary. Um, do you want the um, Cliff Note version or you want the disco version? We can do the disco version, but we can't we can't interview this one question for 50 minutes. <laughs> Make it brief. OK. okay. Um, I was uh, born in um, Holloman Air Force Base, New Mexico. Yes, sir. And I was baptized there. Um, and then my mother came, my father came back to Indianapolis. And so I'm a cradle, what they call a cradle Catholic. So I went to Catholic grade school, didn't go to Catholic high school or college. And um, I didn't really, we didn't go to church every Sunday, 
My mother was really hot and cold when it came to going to Mass. So we were either going to Mass or we weren't going to Mass. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so, you know, one of, the, one of the times we were really going to Mass is when um, we had moved and a priest used to pick us up and take us to Mass every Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of did... It did a lot for me. At the time, I didn't realize it. Then um, I was a teenager, about 16, 17 years old. Once we moved and the priest wasn't taking us anywhere, we weren't going to Mass. Mm. So um, I had a baby when I was 20. Her name was Lauren. And I didn't get her baptized. I wasn't going to Mass. Uh, There was a lady that offered to take me to Mass. But, you know... My pride would not let me let the lady take me to mass. I just, I didn't have a car. Mom didn't have a car. We didn't have a car. And so we went out and walking distance of, of a church. Pride wouldn't let us take a bus. Mm-hmm. And, but there were people at the church that were willing to pick us up every Sunday. Well, me in particular. I don't know about her. I'm sure her as well. We just didn't go. So tragically, my mother died um, when I was 24 years old. And her funeral mass was the first time we had all been to mass in a very long time. We didn't know we weren't supposed to receive communion because we had not been to mass in a few years. But that's another story. Anyway, so after my mother passes away and we get done with the funeral and stuff, something says to me, I think you need to get that girl baptized. So my daughter was three Mm. when she was baptized. And then my aunt would take me to Mass. So we started going to Mass on a more regular basis. Uh-huh. And so then I started working for our church and I was going to Mass. Um, I didn't know at the time that not going to Sunday Mass was a mortal sin. So Ouch. even working at the church and I was not told, you know, you know, I would hear things like, we missed you Sunday or, you know, vague, vague things about going to Mass. And But you know, that's how it is today. You know, we don't know anything and then of course we use the excuse of well i didn't know this i didn't know that and then you know when somebody tells us we go what i didn't know that so then it's up to you to decide well if i want to start doing it or not right right well also when people tell us the truth a lot of times we um don't believe them (laughs) and respond in anger and you can go to a leader in the church and say things like oh I, I wish I'd talked to you before I had my tubes tied. And the leader would say, oh, I wouldn't have helped you change your mind. So then you're back to being confused. Is it yeah. right or wrong to do that? That's yeah. true. But that's that's another tangent. So anyway, um, then I got married in the church. And my husband, who is you? Whose hat? <laughs> <laughs> was not anything as far as going to church. He understood that. Um, my parish was the parish, and that's where I was going to Mass every Sunday. And there was no questions, advance buts about converting to other things. That was just it. And you graciously said, okay. Then you graciously had Max and Marcus have their first communion and confirmations. And then eventually, you came into the church in 2006. Um, but we just all crept along. He went through RCIA and, you know, just kind of trying to find our way. And then, um, in 2009, you went on this one particular retreat. You can say Crucial. I talk about it all the time. Went to Crucial and you came back a different person. 
it was radically different. Mm-hmm. Talk to me for two hours after the retreat, then kept talking about it. Then you listened to Catholic Answers the next day, and Doug Berry, thank God, Doug Berry was on the air that day. <laughs> <laughs> and then the following Sunday, I'm listening to CBS Morning News, mm-hmm. and you come into the bedroom and say, Aren't we supposed to be getting prepared for mass? And you turn the TV off. That's right, because when you go to mass, you're not supposed to be listening. I mean, you're not supposed to be watching TV and all this stuff. You're supposed to be getting prepared to, to, to for the sacrifice of the church. Well, that's why I tell all the girls, oh, you want your husband to convert? No, be careful what you ask for. Okay. <laughs> but it was a great thing because then, you know, I had to really, even though I didn't like what was said, mm-hmm. I had knew it was the truth. Mm-hmm. I had to consider all the things that you said and all that. And then you're the one that told me that not going to mass on Sunday is a moral sin. I'm like, huh? And you tell me all this stuff about the faith. And so I'm just kind of tagging along and trying to learn. And I know because you don't be believing me at first. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm telling you, this is what is what's going on. So, okay. All right. So the next question is, um, what is now this is a big one because this is kind of my thing so what is i mean don't be holding back now just because you're on the podcast and everything because all your friends go be hearing this and stuff but what is your opinion of marriage today uh my opinion of marriage today is there's not enough of it what do you mean well, not enough people are getting married we're not being catechized to get married um i think a lot of time girls and women in particular are being catechized to get your education, go get a job, make your career, freeze your eggs. You can always have a baby. I mean, it's just disgusting, actually. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, people are getting divorced too soon. I mean, if you haven't been married at least ten years, you know nothing about marriage. Oh, you don't even know the per- you don't even know the man yet. <laughs> you don't even know nothing yet. I know. Hang in there, but unfortunately, you know, the world is a broken world, and there are a lot of distractions, and the internet doesn't help, and, you know, it's just, it's just very, merit. well, it's, it's sad, and it's practically non-existent as far as I'm concerned. So, going along with that, let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm living the single, single life. <laughs> yes. What is your opinion of uh, dating in society today? It's diabolical. Mm-hmm. And they look for dates on these thingies. What thingies? You know, the internet apps and things. They go on date things. Like, I don't want to mark it there, but there's there's apps you can go to. And then you can find, like, a date. Mm-hmm. Find a date. And then you meet the date. And then people have sex that same day. That's what is called dating. That's I know that's why I just did a podcast on <laughs> podcast number four, or it might be number three. It's called pod, uh, Dating is for Sex, Courting is for Marriage. Oh, okay. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And these poor, stupid women, they go, go and meet these guys that they don't know, and they have sex with them, and then they pay for meals, and they pay for a hotel. But women have needs too, right? You don't have a right. <laughs> you don't have, I know. You don't have the right to have your sexual needs met if you're not married. That's right. 
You're not. That's right. That's the natural law talking. That's the natural law. It's called commandment number six. And if you don't know what commandment number six is, it's adultery. Okay. Most people go to hell for the sixth and ninth commandment. I've already talked about that. So, um, and you probably, if this is your first time listening, then you, you know, I always advise people to learn the commandments in, uh, in the right, in the proper order, in the proper order of the Catholic faith, not the Protestant faith, because they water stuff down and pull stuff out to make it seem, to make them feel better. But in the Catholic faith, there's 10 commandments, which is the natural law. And those, you have to know those in order because the order means something. It's just not right, babe. That's right. That's right. Uh, mm-hmm. So, okay. So you didn't really say like your opinion of dating. You just kind of like dogged them out. But what is, I mean, what, what is your opinion of dating in society? Really? I mean, I know you said it's, it's kind of messed up, but it don't matter. It ain't changed. It's probably worse. It's worse. I understand, like after meeting somebody in a month or two, if your lease is up, you're shacking up. I mean, I think even dating particularly is non-existent. I mean, people just get together. They seem to get together so fast and they just can't wait. And, you know, it's very destructive to a woman. It is. So let's talk about that a little bit. So, I mean, I always talk about it and I talk about it a lot, but how is it destructive to women? Let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. Well, it's destructive to women because we're not made to have a lot of things, people in us, you know, we're, we are made for them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, we're not made to have... They're going to love that when people in us, they're going to love that one. <laughs> we're made for a mate, a mate that we're married to, that we bond, because we bond. We bond with a man that we have sex with. You can go ahead and call it oxytocin. They most of them probably know what that is anyway. Right. But the, 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 the thing of it is, the more you do it, the less you have. I mean, the more the more sexual partners a woman has, yeah, the harder it is for her to fall in love. The harder it is. I mean, she will still bond in kind of a bizarre, dysfunctional way after. I don't know how many partners it takes before you start being a little crazy when it comes to men. I don't know if it's five. I think it's one. Because I've seen... <laughs> I seen dudes get their tires flattened just for just like kissing a girl wrong and then talking about you gonna be with her. <laughs> they go flat his tires, put a key on his stuff. So you imagine when they sleep with her, he be she ready to kill you. <laughs> well, also, we don't know. I didn't know. I, maybe every other woman in the world understands that she is precious to God. Maybe she knows that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that, and there's no men to tell me that. I didn't understand that. I know my mother certainly didn't understand that. I think her mother might have understood it. But to be precious is not a woman who gives herself away. I mean, if That's you're right. with more than one guy and a man falls in love with you, I mean, it's kind of, I would think it would be tough for him to embrace you in a way where there's never been a man there. But also it breaks your heart. I mean, it breaks, a woman's heart breaks I mean, under those circumstances, and it hardens. Right. And that does not make for a loving wife. But the feminine, the feminazis don't tell you that. They don't say, well, you know what? This little man, my heart gets hardened, and I don't want to love anybody anymore. But I do it anyway because, you know, after a few months, I'm ready to go again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they get on my nerves. It's tough. It's tough. No. Okay. 
So this is a good question I, I want to ask because I know how, but I, I want the opinion of somebody else sometimes. Um, so how do you think that we have gotten into this state? How have we gotten to where we are? Uh, Our Lady of La Salette, I believe, uh, visited some children and told them that um, the devil, um, the goal of the devil is to destroy marriage. And, and destroying marriage destroys the family. Uh-huh. Because um, he doesn't like purity. And, and so I'm not exactly sure. I think it was a lot of different forces that helped us get here. Um, the um, um, the Protestant revolt, the French revolution, communism. I mean, these things are just poured into people and it's evil. Feminism is communism. And those things don't like, like, like for instance, um, communists discovered that women work faster and more efficient if they wear pants. Mm, yeah. I've heard that. And, and so women run around wearing pants, which, I, tr- I try and wear pants as little as possible because my husband likes to see me in a dress and other men. And, you know, they, they treat me different when I'm in a dress and all that. I think I've gotten off. But see, the feminist. No, the feminist has been taught. And and see, I call it people call them radical feminists, but I think a feminist is a feminist, you know, whatever. But there are soft feminists and hard feminists, which we call feminazis, which don't want you to open the door for them, want to cuss you out if you say hello, you know, just crazy stuff. But, you know, feminists, they they don't even want you to do anything to to really make them feel like a woman. Mm -hmm. And that's a shame. But they 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 so they so stupid. They don't even realize that they've been conditioned to do that, and that it's a plan. Mm-hmm. So I, you think how how do we you 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 say we got to this state? How now? Well, lots of ways. Um, mm-hmm. French Revolution. Slavery. I had the French French Revolution. I knew you were going to ask me that. I'm okay, well, well, let's don't do that one. We'll, I know one. You know the slavery thing. You said that. What what what, you talk, what do you mean there? Okay. Um, and a lot of instances, you know, slaves were brought here uh, from other tribes, capturing them and selling them. Mm-hmm. And then the ropes brought them to the United States mm-hmm. and they were auctioned off and being auctioned off. They were separated from their families. But once they were on the plantation and the um, Amanda woman would bond and have children, well, the slave master would decide, well, he needs I don't know, needs a little money in his checking account, so he'll sell the man away, which does not give right. him much security. And then the mother is there to, you know, then she's got to act a kind of a condition to be different because the man's not around. And then they sell her children off mm-hmm. or sell her from her children. And so that's breaking up the family. And so back even back then, women have taken on a matriotic role just out of necessity. But unfortunately, those communities have kind of rolled it into society. Now, I think I've read that um, in the early, um, in the late 19th century, 20th century, black families were beginning to build back up and, you know, take on um, the man that had a household role and things like that. But thanks to the Johnson administration. So let's, let me go here then. I'm going to go somewhere on you. So <laughs> why, what do you, we're talking about the black thing right now because, we're black. 
and we got some white folks in the audience and some Mexican folks. I know, and that's something I'm going to ask. So, what do you think? So, like right now, you have the Black Lives Matter. You have see people. A lot of a lot of people don't realize that you know we're we're a little different in that we're we're we float between both worlds. But so, what is your opinion on people putting their culture and their language and their color and their race and their background before they put their Catholicism or their Christianity? Well, that's pure communism, separating people like that, taking that. If you put your color, if you put your culture, if you put your race and things like that before Christ, I mean, how can you be a Christian? A Christian puts Christ first. Christ is first. But they think they are putting Christ first because, hey, I'm black and I'm proud. Well, that's more um, social engineering and brainwashing. I mean, you, you have, I don't know any other way to articulate this, mm-hmm. but if your culture and your food and your music and all this is before praying in the morning, praying at night, praying at meals, going to mass, going to adoration, make sure you get to confession. If, if, if all that other stuff is before, I don't even know how you can say you're a Catholic. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying that when they say, when, you know, we are all taught to put God first. That's right. So how is um, not speaking the language in the country you're in and not even trying to learn it? That is not even justice to yourself. That's keeping you behind. That's keeping you stuck. And 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 I and that's and that's and you know what I'm gonna find, um, because I know some Mexicans and stuff, and you know I want to talk to them and bring them on the show at least and, and ask him or her, you know, how do you feel about getting coddled like this? About you know your kids go to school, and you know they they don't make them speak English. They make them they let them speak Spanish, and it's really not how that's really calling you and disrespecting you and making, you know, not treating you like a human person basically. It's like, you know, like they used to treat black people. Oh, you pole, pole black man. You, you, him don't know no better. And, you know, we feel so sorry for them. And, you know, they can't help themselves and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, if you're not speaking the language and you're not really getting into the culture. You, right. And, the, and one of my things. And one of the things I always say is, you know, name me one rich Mexican that doesn't speak English that lives here and is in the in the in the United States. It's, if it is, I don't know any. I've never heard of any. Yeah, and please let us know. Let us know. Because when you if I went to Mexico, this be real. If I went to Mexico and I couldn't speak Spanish, all I just speak with English all the time, man, people I wouldn't even get, get a job. I wouldn't be able to do anything. Yeah, why? Because you're not contributing anything. Well, yeah, Think about it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's like going to Germany. You can't speak German. You think, and it's disrespectful. Yes. You in somebody else's country, and I'm in Germany, and I can't speak German, but I'm trying to get a job, get a passport. I'm trying to, you know, go trying to make some money. Yeah, Germany's a little different because they got all these migrants there. Their, their country's getting destroyed. Man, them boys in trouble, and it's too late. It's almost, it is too late for them. So, okay. So, 
we got that. Now, here's another good one. In your opinion, what is the state of masculine masculinity today? Oh, it's terrible. It's so sad. It's so sad. You know, there used to be a a, a trash bag commercial, and my mother, my mother, my father divorced, mm-hmm. and um, so she was a divorced mom with four kids. And my brothers, you know, I have a I have a brother in particular that we get angry a lot. Well, he had a lot to be angry about, but John or Chris. I wasn't going to say his name. What do you care? It's like, whatever, man. <laughs> like, what? Well, people going to go to his house and ask him, hey, man, I heard on the podcast. <laughs> whatever, man. My, my brother, John, and he used to get this vein in his head, and my mother would make fun of him and say I was going to rest. But anyway, so, long story short. But anyway, my brother, um, there used to be this commercial that would come on, and my mother would tease my brothers. And, um, <laughs> and this brother in particular. So maybe she was kind of picking on him. But anyway, the, the commercial was hefty, 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 wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Exactly. <laughs> I remember that. So wimpy, wimpy, wimpy is how I see men. But, you know, women are so screwed up, I don't even blame them. I mean, you can't, you know, they have a hard time talking to them because they're not so nice sometimes. Or, you know, the one that. The men or the women. Oh, I'm sorry. The women are not nice. Mm-hmm. So the men pull back. You know, and sex is so easy and free. You know, I heard someone say something quite vulgar about a woman's reproductive organ, but he said that the reproductive organ is so cheap these days. I mean, ooh, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I, I tell you that story the other day. I was at the football like game. I was at the football game, right? Oh man, this is funny. I'm so glad you made me remember this. Uh-oh. I was at the football game the other day. One of the boys' football game. I forget which one. Anyway. So I was on the home side and then the, the visitors on the, across the field. Okay. So across the field in the high school is like 50 something yards. Okay. So this girl, this cheerleader, she's a cheerleader. She started from way, way across the field, not even in the 50 yards. She was like outside the gate and she had this, Big old heavy car she was pulling. She had this big old heavy cooler that she was pull, uh, carrying. So she was pulling a car and carrying this big old cooler. And the cart was tied around her waist. And the <laughs> the cart, the cooler was in her hands. It was one of them big old 30 gallon coolers, too. Right, exactly. So this girl, right? Poor thing. She's she's a cute little girl too. She had to be about whatever, 15. She was it was a sophomore game, so she was probably 15, 16, 17, or something like that. Anyway, she walked all the way through the gate from the park a lot with this stuff and all around, got on the track and walked around the track. So she lost longer than 50 yards from the track part. The poor thing. She passed like 20 men and not one. Not one came over onto that field or over the into the gate and helped her carry that stuff around to the other side, to the visitor's side. Wow. And, and and it was just, you know, I'm up in the stands. I was way too far away to even go help her. Well, she's the visiting team. But, it, but you know what? Let's just be real. <laughs> Let's just be real about that. And you know the thing that I said to myself? I said, you know, look how far they've come. <laughs> you know, she could... Barely probably lift 20 or 30 pounds without struggling. But hey, she and you could tell that she was really struggling to get after she went 
30 yards or so, you could tell she was wanting, she was wishing she had some help. You've come a long way, baby. You've come a long way, baby. Uh, so here's a great one. What can the Catholic Church do to solve these issues? I have no idea. No. One thing the Catholic Church can do is uh, teach the Catholic faith. That would be uh, very helpful. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Y'all have heard me say that if you listen to my show. I mean, that would be so helpful. I mean, I didn't even know. I mean, this is how, I mean, I was dumb. I was really, really dumb. But um, I heard on Catholic Answers a long time ago, when I was still struggling, trying to navigate my way, you're learning all this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I heard, uh, I think it was Patrick Coffin say that if you have a problem with the moral teachings of the church, you have a moral problem. Yeah. You got, well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sounds obvious. No, nah, because people listening don't really understand what that really means. They think, well, I got a moral problem. They don't even know where they get. You know, most of us don't even know where we get morality from. Well, not like that. I didn't even know what a moral problem was. I mean, I knew I had to. Mm. I mean, my big thing was contraception. And so I really meditated on that for, a, I mean, that came in and out of my mind, you know. And it's not to say that if you're Catholic, I mean, you have to know what the morals are, and if you don't believe them, try, try and find out what they are, why they are, and whose they are, yeah. so that you can embrace them. I mean, to say, well, I'm going to contracept, the church says no, I say yes. Well, no, find out why the church says no. Find out why. And if you're talking to a church leader that tells you it's okay, and they're wearing a Roman collar, you need to pack up your purse and your children, your husband, and move on to someplace that's teaching the faith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how has the... Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. How has the 2018 scandal in the Catholic Church affected your life? It's made me very mad. It has made me so mad. I can... I mean, it's just... You know, and this is the this is the sad thing. I was talking to a I sent a video of Phil Donahue back in 1993. Oh, I talked about that the other day. Oh, did you? Yeah, okay. on one of the shows. No, not necessarily, <laughs> but I'm just letting you know that he pissed me off with his liberal butt. Not even I don't care about him being liberal. I'm just saying he's ignorant, and you talking about stuff that you don't know about. He didn't know nothing. He's supposed to be a, a cradle Catholic, and he probably left because you know he wanted to screw everybody oh, in his little show. He is? Yeah. Everybody on that panel that you saw was Catholic. Oh, well, then at least he got some sense then. Well, yeah, because they're going to stand and change. They're going to change. They're going to change. Well, they're doing a pretty good job. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm so mad about it that I talked to a friend because all my friends, um, most of my friends are Catholic, and we've been, you know, sending back and forth articles and, and discussing it all week. Well, I call a real good friend of mine, um, and she's a cradle Catholic, and she's not even bringing it up. We're talking about, you know, the kids, the grandkids, and things at work and stuff. And I'm finding this discussion uh, very hard because yeah, my friends know about it. So, you know, she's talking about how happy her priest is. And you mean happy clappy or happy? Just a happy general person. Oh, uh huh. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I said. Um, have you heard about the testimony from uh, Car uh, Archbishop Vigano? 
And then she said a, a funny name, which I can't repeat because I don't remember. Mm-hmm. She said, down in the Archdiocese of Evansville? I said, no. <laughs> Archbishop Pagano, who wrote out a testimony about all the things the Pope knew about the McCarrick situation. And she was like, what? She was really surprised. And I'm like, That's because she's on... Uh- CSNBC, CNNBC, CBS, NBC, Fox. She ain't listening to Michael Voris, Michael Matt. She's not reading the Catholic thing. She's not reading LifeSite News. She's not looking at, you know, uh, even Michael Voris. She's not even looking at InfoWars, you know, to learn what's really going on. Yeah. And because those, they, they love Pope Francis, which, you know, I've, I've said Pope Francis has been suspect for a long time, but I'm not going to, you know, I didn't want to dog him out because I was trying to get him the benefit of the doubt. And we'll go into that on another episode about how Catholics and Christians are supposed to be, you know, quiet about that kind of not quiet, but, you know, I'm supposed to really judge, you know, um, get come down on priests and stuff. That's a whole nother story. Yeah, well, a friend of mine had told me years ago that her brother was a Franciscan. He was a seminarian. And he was accosted and assaulted, well, raped by two other seminarians. And it left him confused mm-hmm. because he assumed, well, you know, I mean, he, I, I, I didn't know him, so I really can't say. But she told me that then he decided he must be gay. And that is a travesty. And that's a person that, I mean, this happened to him in the 80s, in the 80s, I believe. And it just disgusted her. Now, she never left the church. But when she told me that story, I mean, I really thought she was kind of nutty. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing was kind of like a weird thing that was like an incident that just happened to one person. No. But to know that all these things are happening to so many people. I mean, these poor guys. And you're a guy and you get raped. I mean, what do you say? You know, how do you deal with that internally? And then. I mean, how much courage does it take to go and let someone know? But then if you do follow up and follow through, then the person you let know accosts you too. I mean, right. it's just right. it's in the confessional. It's diabolical. And that's why I say, you know, I forgot what priest said it. I think it was Father Father Relia. Is it Father Michael Relia? Father Isaac Relia. You know, he would say, he says all the time when I listen to his, his videos and stuff, he says, the job of the priest is to be a lion in the pulpit and a lamb in the confessional. And what that means is, you know, if you're in the, you know, you're a, um, a lamb, you know, you in the pulpit, you give the word of God the truth because people need that. If you don't give them the truth, what they're going to do is they're going to forget it. Yeah. And then, but when it comes to confession and somebody comes in and tells you that, you know, they did this, of the sixth and ninth commandment or they disrespected God or, you know, or they stole something, you, you, you know, you, you, you show mercy and you, you, and as long as they're, you know, sorry and, 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 and trying to work on it, you give them absolution. That's being a lamb. But in that pulpit, man, you can't be a lamb in the pulpit. And I think that's, what's been wrong with, the Catholic church over the last so many years. Now, if you go to some of these Protestant churches, if you just watch TV, a lot of them boys will be playing around. But the problem with the Protestant churches is they don't have the graces that the Catholic church has because Christ is not there with the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, um, 
In your opinion, what does the Catholic Church have to do in order to recover from this tragedy? No, it ain't. I think because that's what happened to the preaching Vatican too. I think that we need to scrap Vatican II, scrap it all. So have another, uh, have another uh, council. No, no. Yeah, we do. We have another council to correct all the stuff and say, look, no more spirit of Vatican II bullcrap. No, I just think that we just need to scrap it and go back. We're going to go back. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck with that. Learn Latin as the language of the church. And if you have a missile, you know, people, I had a friend say, why do you go to Latin mass? You don't speak Latin. How do you even understand it? Ignorance. about the Latin missile? But you try to tell them that and they come up with some other excuse. Exactly. It's like you tell somebody, you know, if you don't eat sugar, you know, your diabetes will go away and they go, oh, I got to have my sugar. And then they get their leg cut off. Well, not me, a doctor. Hell. That's what's not going to tell you not to eat sugar. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they might tell you not to eat sugar, but they're not going to tell you to give up carbohydrates. They're not going to tell you not to eat Right. It's too much money in that. Well, yeah. Yeah. But they think they're doing the right thing. You know, like the church. The doctor won't tell you the truth. Priest won't tell you the truth. You know, only the word of God gives you the truth. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I, I am to the point where, you know, people, and, you know, you taught me that, okay, babe, you know all this stuff and you love Christ and all this stuff, but you got to remember everybody's not where you are. And I agree. And I'm starting to be empathetic, but, but here's the, here's the big sin on that. Here's the big problem. I agree. But the problem is with men, they won't do that. Then you would tell them, you know, you, they will not really listen. And so my problem with, with it, with it is they won't go and try to find the answers to their questions or to, they won't, you know, the Holy spirit is going tap, 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 tap. You need to do this. You should do that. You should listen to me. And then they just ignore it their whole life. They know everything. Yeah, they, they we do. do. Yeah, yeah, do. Yeah, y'all know everything. So, you know, what's the point in telling you? But, you know, a, a wife knows the answer six weeks before the husband knows there's a question. I know. That's why I try to tell men, you got to watch your wife. You got to watch what she do. You got to watch how she moves. You got to watch how she talks. You got to watch how she looks. You got to see, you know, you just got to be looking and, and being observant of your wife instead of observant on the TV. Anyway, man, don't get me started because we'd be here for a whole hour talking about that because that really makes me mad. And that's one thing that really got me in trouble with my first marriage, you know, uh, my first marriage and stuff. And, you know, I would not I thought I was paying attention, but I really wasn't paying attention because I, I told this story already a little bit in my in, in, in podcast number uh, two. Or podcast number two you know like i come home she be all mad i come home ain't nobody in the house <laughs> and i'm thinking you know she gone they out you know they out getting dinner or something they out hanging out or something with their friends or something then 12 one o'clock come i start going wait a minute 
Something ain't right here. And that goes exactly along with what you said about me. You, it'd be six months, would you say? Six weeks. It'd be six weeks for men to even know what's going on. <laughs> she didn't rent, she didn't got on the airplane and went home to New Mexico to her mama and took the kids with her. And so I gotta call her to try to get her to come back to Indianapolis. You know, but that your what you said is the perfect, is the perfect, perfect. Yes, the wife knows the answer six weeks before the husband. Shoot, learning that. Longer than that. Well, longer than that. Three months or six months, the wife knows the answer six months. And that's why I be trying to tell y'all, you better be looking at your wife and listen looking at her and trying to figure look getting with her head like you can. Where you going? Where you at? Where you been? You're gonna walk home and be like everybody gone. <laughs> And you go think, oh, they be back. Yeah, they coming back all right. <laughs> she, left, she left you the furniture. Yeah. <laughs> God rest your soul. That was part one of Catholic's Beliefs on Marriage, Wife Tells All with Mary Kathleen Jacobs. I hope you enjoyed it. I really did. Be sure to catch part two of my interview with her in our next show, episode six. As we end today, as we always do, we end with a quote from Pope Benedict XVI, quote, society offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. So go forth, Christian soldier. The spiritual fight is upon you. Fast, pray, and prepare for battle. Thank you, Christian soldier, for listening in today. Remember, Catholic Alpha Radical is designed to repair, ignite, and once again spark the fire back into your marriage or relationship. So, what's your next action step? One, share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship. Two, rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Three, subscribe to this podcast if listening on CatholicAlpha.com to get new episodes in your email now.